welcome to the Beyond the Reef podcast, where I talk to experts and researchers in the reef aquarium hobby, discussing a broad range of topics from biology to equipment and chemistry. We take a deep dive into our guests' methods, techniques, and top reef keeping tips. My name is Adam Sutherland, and I am the owner-operator of Frag Garage Corals, based out of British Columbia, Canada. My guest for this episode is Farmer Ty. And Farmer Ty is one half of Black Label Aquatics based out of Austin, Texas. And Ty has a degree in ocean and coastal resources, which I'm sure has applied to uh, some of the work that he does with corals today. And we had a really hilarious conversation. I'm really excited for this episode to come out. Uh, we talked a lot about the past, present, and future of reef keeping. And uh, as hobbyists that both started in the early 2000s, we've definitely seen a lot of changes for better, mostly, and some for worse. I will link to his website and any resources that we discuss in this episode. If you want to support this podcast, the best thing you can do is like, subscribe, share, write us a review. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions for a future episode, please reach out. And without further ado, here is my convo with Farmer Ty. All right. Well, I got the farmer himself. Farmer Ty, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah. Thanks for getting the, the kids bathed up and put to bed and <laughs> time for a chat. That is my life these days. I yeah. Get- Three kids under six, so that is my life these days. Yeah, I got no kids, so that's probably why I have time to do stuff like this <laughs> on the side. <laughs> so I was thinking uh, there's a there's a subject that I, I kind of want to do on a regular basis with people. It's called past, present, and future of reefing. And I was thinking uh, we can kind of talk yeah. a little bit about the old days because you've been in the hobby for, what, 30 years, I think I read? 30 years oh my gosh um how long uh, which 16 okay uh, 16, i don't know where I, where i read that yeah i feel like so. you would have been really young if you started 30 years ago so <laughs> <laughs> i was like man i'm only 42 so like whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah hell? you're like the same age as me i'm 41 yeah, um, yeah i started i started in about 2001 so um you know yeah you, you so pr- about the same time pretty then, similar yeah. vibe yeah. yeah, but I mean, what would you say, looking back on the corals and the equipment and the stuff back in those early days, like what what is yeah. like, you know, what do you think of the hobby back then and sort of moving on to the present? Like what has changed since then? To you, you know, I mean, there's a there's a simplicity to it. And I know that, you know, with what we have these days, like technology, constant monitoring, you know, it's it's nice to have. It definitely is. And for as my life has gotten busy and ramped up, you know, wife, kids, all that stuff, like, uh, it's nice to be able to get pinged by my phone saying, hey, your alpha level is dropping. Um, Whereas something that, you know, back when we were starting, there was no monitoring, there was no any of that. So um, if anything, you tested that morning, you're like, oh, what what the heck happened to my alk? You know then. So, you know, there was a simplicity to it, but at the same time, I think that simplicity was beneficial in certain ways and, and, and there were cons to it as well. But I think overall, I think we just thought less, and I'm summarizing yeah, for you yeah. too, but uh, assuming for you too, but I, I just thought about it a little less. I'm like, hey, the yeah, system's yeah. running, 
things are happy. I go there and I feed my fish, feed the corals. I'm like, hey, things look good. And I go yeah, away yeah. and I, I can let it go. It's, it's the funniest things, but I can just let it go. And nowadays, I'm like constantly being reminded. I'm like, oh, well, my alks are getting a little lower. Magnesium's starting to drop. And yeah, it's like yeah. constantly on my mind. So different. Yeah, but, I definitely uh, think, uh, you know, simplicity is bliss when it comes to the reef hobby. It is. <laughs> I mean, we can get a little bit OCD, you know, checking our, our right. apex or our trident before we go right. to bed. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's definitely worth it when you can see like something trending down, especially in a system that's that's highly stocked. It's like... You know, you're, I'm sure in your systems, your alkalinity could plummet pretty fast. If I don't, I don't know if you're using calcium reactor or two part or what your your main. Yeah, we're using calcium reactors on our systems, and uh, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. We we can drop 2.7 dkh in a day. Yeah. So yeah, you if know. the line is blocked. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. getting that notification is a big deal. You know. So yeah, testing every six hours is uh, enough yeah. to avoid a disaster at times. For sure. Right, for right. Sure. But, yeah. you know, again, pros and cons, because then the other side of it, you're like, oh, you're like constantly on. So it's kind of yeah. a little more exhausting, I would say, mentally. But like the corals are, I think, better off for it. Uh, I just think like, you know, one of the uh, drawbacks to having so much information and having so much data readily available to you, sometimes you get caught in that. I'm not sure that happened to you as well. But initially, when I started incorporating all this technology, I got sucked into that whole overcorrection. Mm -hmm. Chasing the numbers a bit too, right? Going too fast even. Like you yeah. see something happening, you correct it immediately. But maybe you should have spaced it out over a couple of days. But you're like, oh, yeah. this, or this thing. And so I've noticed there's a detriment to having so much data for my personality and mine yeah. alone. Because I'm so OCD about it. I'm like, oh, I need to correct it now. And then boom. And then, it, you know, the corals do that little recovery and 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 yeah and, uh and it's just that back and forth of trying to recover from whatever mistake happened here and the recovery is hitting it too so it's it's an interesting change now that we're dealing with what we have with the future technologies that we have so yeah totally um like speaking of like say like an alkalinity swing uh what's a swing yeah. that you have noticed like detrimental repercussions like uh as far as like yeah. alkalinity numbers I guess uh, for me personally, and you know, we've always run a little more acroporo dominant, but yeah, uh, color change is going to be the first thing I see. So loss yeah. of color. So anytime I get anything beyond like maybe a one, one and a half DKH drop in like a day, definitely yeah. lose color. And it may just be in some pieces, it just loses that little bit of glimmer. And you can't yeah. really tell right off the bat. It still has all the same colors, but it just just doesn't pop as much to you. Some of the vi you. yeah vibrance, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that vibrance. Yeah, just and and you know to the to the casual observer, they wouldn't notice a thing. But you know when you're staring at it every day, and you're like, man, I think it lost its pop. You know, and th so that's yeah. what I notice with one one and a half dkh. If it drops any lower than that in a day, I mean two, that's where I see like there's certain species of acropora that or at least very sensitive to those type of drops. So um, those are like, you know, my canaries. And when I start seeing that, a lot of the smooth skins, a lot of the smaller skeletons, like the dragon varieties, like anytime yeah. there's a drop like that, boom, then you start yeah. seeing STN or some maybe even RTN right away. So would you agree that um, 
I think when you have your nutrients a little bit more elevated and the, the polyps are a little bit fatter and a little bit healthier looking, like corals tend to be a little bit more resilient to those swings. I, I would I would 100% agree with that. And that's just some of the things over the years that you kind of experiment with. Um, the higher nutrient levels definitely, like you said, kind of the thicker flesh, fluffier yeah. box. Um, yeah, but yeah. what I notice also is like I lose a little bit more color with those higher nutrients in certain species only like an mm -hmm. orchid or could care less like an yeah well a great blue at 5 ppm yeah, yeah. Or at like 50 it looks great either or but i do feel like if i move up my nutrients too much like some of my other like my tenuouses don't kind of pop with those rainbow colors once the nutrient levels get too high and i know i'm yeah. just speaking of my experience because some people have you know uh 0.4 phosphates and like 50 nitrates and their and their polyps are beautiful yeah you know, it's, it's just very system system dependent there's so many factors and um you know i find with tenuous i've been talking to a couple people about um like a little bit lower par for them sometimes brings out the best coloration like that 250 um, you know, not necessarily that 400 to 500 range that you might, right. you know, put a milli under or something like that, right? Right. And so, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because what threw me off initially was, you know, once the tenuous craze was at its peak and and we were seeing like, you know, home records and Walt Disney's and all that stuff, like like right when it was starting to go, um, home records, at least for me, I couldn't pull that pink out unless that thing was slammed with 400 plus par. Like there's mm. no pink unless I slam it before. And so like from that point on, I did that to all the tenuous. And then I realized, wait a minute, some of these yeah. you put in yeah. 200 and they look better. So it's just kind yeah. of an experiment, uh, learn as you go kind of thing. But uh, initially I was slamming all my tenuous because I'm, I'm going to get those pinks like those home records. Yeah, they're all going to get better. Like, yeah, yeah, you're losing <laughs> the color. You put it in 250 and it glows. So it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, speaking of tenuous and the, those fancy sort of rainbow varieties, like I think that's another thing going back to the sort of past of, you know, the corals that were available when we kind of got into the hobby. Like we yeah. didn't see anything like that. Like the tenuous no. that were on the market were, you know, maybe like a cream color with a blue tip, uh, maybe right. green, maybe green the with a blue tip. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think some of the, you know, we were talking about how, you know, the old school style was a little more hands-off, less devices, less checking stuff all the time. I don't know if I went back to like past me, say 15 years ago, if I would be able yeah. to get the colors out of some of these tenuous yeah. that I do now. It's true. No, so, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm not even sure if I look back 10 to 20 years, if, I, if I'd if i be happy with a tank that was in front of me at the time. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, just comparing standards of different days, I was like, man, back in 2005, my tank was gross if i looked at it from my <laughs> modern perspective if you want to call it modern yeah. perspective so i don't really know but yeah i fully agreed like some of those tenuous is just they're just plain boring like i i'd yeah. take a green slimer over a tenuous any day back when we were running you know vho yeah. um you know tube lights and and metal halides yeah. like yeah. Well, so. another factor too, I mean, is the the blue LED spectrum is making a lot right. of those colors pop. And I bet you, right. you know, talking about your old tank and you're like, yeah, it probably didn't look that great. If you took that exact tank and went, you yeah. know, got somebody back in or in the future, went back in time, <laughs> and was like, let's put these Orfec bars and this, you know, radians right. on this thing. And you'd just be like, like, oh, ah, what the hell? The <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's so, an yeah, interesting um, thing when it comes to, I mean, imagine uh, uh, for the companies when they're picking broodstock for, yeah. for Mariculture SPS. Um, I know some of them uh, look with blue flashlight uh, to really see what they're looking at. Cause you, you wouldn't really, most coral looks, I mean, I've seen them in the wild, like, you know, they're green, brown, maybe you'll right. see a little bit of a pink tip or a blue tip, but it's really hard right. to tell when you're out there. Yeah. And that's the conversation um, I have with my non-reefer friends is they're like, Whoa, look at all these colors. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, like that's not natural. Like, like, yeah. and I'm not saying it's not, not natural in that sense, but I'm like, you're not going to see it like this yeah in the natural environment it's just kind of how we manipulated the lights and how to show off their best colors is basically what i tell them. yeah yeah no for sure and uh one thing that about having non-hobbyists over is you get this like really uh very pure uh reflection of what actually looks cool you know because right. we, you know we kind of get obsessed with stuff that's kind of i don't know a little more like like i don't know the advanced hobbyist kind of kind of stuff and and I think, right. uh, I don't know, the the layman is going to like see something that you kind of forgot was cool and be like, yeah, yeah. The, the, this this is really cool. I mean, obviously, they'll look at Ophelia. <laughs> Anything with motion seems to get more attention. But right, right. Yeah. Uh, what always sticks out in my head is star polyps. Back in the day when everyone had some star polyps, I'm like, no matter what, as 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 intricate as what, oh, this species of Acropora is so hard to grow and get to this size and get this color. And then they look over and see this, like, you know, $5 star polyp in my tank. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's really cool. And I'm like, no, 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 cool. no, look over there, look over here. So, <laughs> uh, so I totally get it, like, just from a step away from the nuances of our hobby and, and getting so deep into it that an average viewer looks at it and like picks out certain different things to us. So, yeah. uh, it's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, disheartening sometimes when you're like, Oh, <laughs> but you, you passed over like $3,000 colony of whatever over yeah. here for this little Duncans or whatever. Yeah. On the side. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so. so I guess, uh, in terms of present, the present, part of the hobby um what do you think uh -huh. about the yeah. corals coming in right now as far as like um and we've got crazy stuff coming in from malaysia which yeah. um, some of the nicer looking corals i've seen not all of them are necessarily easy to keep or easy to access or import uh and there's right. a lot of mariculture stuff coming in like what what is your yeah. kind of acquisition and what do you kind of collect and try to get for yourself you know with uh with lately and we kind of spoke about this before we started but like when you know as as farmer ty i i was mainly an aquaculture guy i was mainly just grow 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 collect these little pieces and grow them and yeah. uh when i partnered with my good friend jake uh who owns a local fish store locally i got access through all his import uh partners uh to be able to get these mariculture colonies be able to go to the facilities and just cherry pick and look yeah and you know it's it's a whole different side that i've never was exposed to before and it, it's amazing it's amazing what we see come in it's amazing like you said with the malaysian imports we're getting right now uh papua new guinea is starting to pull some stuff in oh, that's cool. another yeah market that they're kind of ramping up you know as far as once access is better that i think we'll see a lot more stuff come through there uh so we're just seeing so many interesting things and it's nice to be on the front lines of seeing them come in so um but yeah the, the access that we've gotten the, the ones that we're seeing in just beautiful beautiful acros that we're seeing just mushrooms that i've never even seen before so it's it's, it's been been fun to be on the front line of a lot of these things yeah. 
And I think that we've been growing a little bit of a base of people that have kind of like, oh, you guys, you guys get to cherry pick and get to see all these things first. So they're pinging me. They're like, okay, when do you go? When do you, you know, and when can you take pictures? And so they're super excited. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting for us, you know, because, you know, it can get, once you turn a hobby into a business, it, it can become routine and work-like. But when you got yeah. people like, yeah. hey, what new things did you get? I'm like, oh, let me show you my new toys. It's kind of like, oh, those are the <laughs> new toys I yeah. And they get yeah. geeked out and they ex- get excited over it. And that, I think that excitement kind of bounces back to us again and refreshes us, you know, so... I, I was something, I mean, thinking about Malaysia, it's like Malaysia yeah. is not that far from Indonesia. And just think about the corals that they collected there that like those speciosa yeah. just like blew my mind. The first time I saw one in person, I was like, that looks as good as the photos on the internet. Like, I don't think you can oh. even Photoshop it and try to fake it because it looks that right. good. So it's it, like, it, what it, other it regions are yeah. around that have corals that we can't even imagine, uh, you know, the colors right. and what they look like, right? Exactly. So it's, it's 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 very exciting to know that there's other possibilities out there, I think, for, you know, because, you know, as a hobby, it can get if you continue to have the same sources or continue to farm certain things. And I could see like people getting bored with a lack of variety over time. Yeah. But seeing these new Malaysians come in or what's going to come to from Papua New Guinea area, like it's just amazing. But yeah, like seeing the first speciosa, I'm like uh you know just seeing the videos of them i'm like oh you know that's that's probably manipulated a little bit yeah and then when i got to the wholesaler and i looked down at the like just a tank full of colonies at one importer and i'm like oh my god like, <laughs> yeah. these things are legit the, the, the unfortunate thing you find out is they're as hard as hell to keep alive they're just yeah they're so persnickety and i don't, I don't think as a hobby as we've keyed in on exactly what it is I, it's i've seen some people have some success with it we've had success with like one colony uh but we've mm-hmm. four four other ones we roasted right away and so yeah. it's these things that we're trying to figure out and again it's going to be a benefit to the full hobby once we nail it down but being able to import them get healthy pieces and then acclimate them to our tanks and then figure out what they prefer so it's it's yeah. been an interesting journey so yeah, I definitely have not seen any. I mean, we haven't had a lot of the Malaysian acros in Canada, but uh, I haven't seen. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a single person that showed a picture of a colony that they said, hey, here's they my grew. colony of Flaming Sunrise that I grew from a one inch frag, right. 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 <laughs> you right. know, over a year so, or two or whatever. Right. Like, like Exactly. And that's, you know, like, I don't like to sell false hope. I, that's not what myself or my partner we we go with I, I don't like to sell false hope so if it's something that's like a specio said that's like hey look guys like i'm gonna we got one in it's growing it's encrusting for us it's a slow slow process that they don't mm-hmm. grow that fast they're a little persnickety um but um you know certain people have had some success but i can probably count them on under like two hands and anything that they're growing are not like large colonies so yeah. My goal is, and the hope is, is to at least acclimate them enough that they're encrusting and then get it out to people. Because yeah. we only have one system. Or I'm sorry, we have collectively in our setup, we probably have like one, two, three, four, five. So we have like six systems right now, large systems. And so each one of them have their own nutrient levels, their own whatever parameters. And 
But that's it. So the more we can get these out, the more other tanks and systems can experiment. Um, And so we can see what a better success is. It was like, oh, your phosphate is 0.3 and they're doing great. Hey, that's interesting. You know, yeah, so, it could, uh, it's that's one of the beauties of uh, you know doing what we do, where we have multiple systems and we can, you know, and right. part of it is for backup and redundancy. It's like well, you, yeah, you, yeah. sometimes you just want to throw it in another tank in case you lose it, but uh, definitely right. is nice to to just see what happens in different conditions. Right. Yeah, for right, sure. Right. So that that's the exciting part of seeing these new things come in and being able to have multiple systems to test it, because you know, average hobbyist is probably going to have his one system, so. Hey, I bought a BCO set, died in my system. Okay, whatever it is, it doesn't work. But at least with us, we can cut it, put it in six different systems and kind of see which one is faring the best, I guess. So. Yeah. I mean, maybe another thing with these speciosa too is uh, people want people. You haven't seen any big colonies because people are fragging them so fast because they want to make their money back oh. on their investment because <laughs> <Right>. they ain't <laughs> cheap. <laughs> yeah, they're not cheap, and then you end up if you don't do something faster, then you end up with a dead white skeleton of expensive coral. So you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I get it too, but it it, it hurts me as a general, like as a hobbyist, as a guy that loves aquaculture. It hurts me to see like these little frags on. On, on for sale that have like no encrustment you can mm-hmm. tell they were just chopped up and i'm like oh these have like zero success rate of surviving like they're yeah. just they're gonna go to whatever system and die immediately so yeah but, but. well i've seen a couple um companies i guess over in the states that seem to be having pretty good success uh, bk chem at brooklyn i think i've seen on their yeah. instagram he's got some stuff that looks like it looks like colonies that he's had for a while that he's grown and and yeah and so and, I, you know, I I don't know. Like, I feel like he's not active anymore because I haven't seen. No, seen yeah, I haven't much seen him post for a while. Yeah, posting, and you know, I, I'm not about gossip or anything. Like, I just haven't seen much postings from him lately. But yeah, he, his was on actually one of the first videos I saw, and I was like, oh, it's like mother, he's got what it figured out. <laughs> yeah, um, and I've seen uh, SBB seems to have a pretty good handle on on the Malaysia yeah. stuff too. Yeah, um, it seems like he's got a couple here and there too as yeah. well that I've seen up so yeah it's been interesting but you know like what we discussed i like i've never i've never seen someone keep cutting the same one that they've grown so it mm-hmm. seems like there it's a constant import in type of species it's like yeah it's yeah it. they're just continually importing cutting it up and uh as far as i can see from when i was at the wholesalers seems like there's about maybe seven to nine different varieties that have been coming in from malaysia at least that mm-hmm. we've had access to so yeah. you know with, as all I see with different people, names depending on who brought well, it in of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course i mean that's how the hobby is but uh yeah like i said i've never seen anybody like we've discussed grow them and then cut from those growths. So, yeah. uh, and like I said a couple of people like I think Thirsty in California, he's had some pretty good success growing like cultured ones. So, if I was ever to try some or want to try some, I'd buy a couple off of him that he's had grown for like two or three years now. So, that's yeah, that's the, I guess and that's how this, it starts, uh, you know? this uh, TSA smackdown that's going on right now it would be a great coral to try to grow for those <laughs> those people it's like here you go try this fucking thing <laughs> good luck <laughs> i mean most that of the so- corals in that smackdown are like i think fairly easy uh to grow like i don't think they're particularly yeah. challenging pieces so it'll be interesting right. to see see what happens with that yeah yeah <laughs> 
So Here's you're talking about you. yeah, <laughs> you're talking about Papua New Guinea. Um, yeah, that's I haven't really heard about that. I don't think so. What's uh, what have you yeah. seen kind of coming from there? Anything particularly so, you know, it, mind blowing? It, or promising. It's mainly like murmurings right now. So some whispers here and there, but we've seen at least from um, one of my partners, uh, uh, importers, that they at least imported some soft coral. And this is, it's pretty new. I'm not even sure if they have the infrastructure to fully start sending large batches, but they were able, we were able to get a couple of these like Papua New Guinea Yumas that first came out of there. And again, it was just, it's a soft coral, bunch of colors that I've never seen before. The size of those things were pretty large too. And I was like, well, this is interesting. You know, this is, I'm curious what else comes through, but uh, I'll have to check with my partner lately, but we just haven't seen so much after that first initial shipped batch. So I'm not yeah. sure if they're working on the logistics because, you know, there's so much logistics to deal with to get things across, but uh, yeah. we'll hope to see a lot more. So Yeah, because, yeah, I know there was talk of, I think it was the Solomon Islands, there was some stuff coming in, some really cool millies. Um, yeah. yeah, and then um, I don't want to shit talk a specific country or region, but I, yeah. <laughs> I've i seen orders come in from Tonga before, and I have not seen really anything all that nice from Tonga. And I don't know if it's just that, you know, it's it's a maybe a less developed industry, so they just haven't spent the time collecting and figuring out, you know, what's right. nice yet. Um, right. But I haven't seen much come from Tonga that's been... I'm and, with you on that. Like, I don't um, know the backstory, but we don't order a whole lot of Tonga stuff just because, like you said, the stuff that comes in is not too exciting, I would say. so. No, and but I remember the Tonga live rock, and that was always that really cool, big, thick oh, branch yeah. rock. And it was very unique. And I guess that sort of goes to show that, um, you know, some of these regions that are you know, not too far apart in the world, um, have some pretty diverse, uh, variation. When you look at like Fiji rock versus Tonga rock, uh, and then right. I remember getting Vanuatu rock, like all these different rocks and oh, they're yeah. very distinctively yeah. different and they're coral, okay. right? Like they're old grown out right. coral. So, right. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess that I'm I'm talking about corals kind of ties a little bit into the the future side of it too because uh, yeah. uh, back to the subject. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I kind of <laughs> see a point where um, you know, depending on how the world goes and how the restriction of exportation goes, like there might be yeah. a, a time where we we are not able to get coral overseas anymore. Right. So I mean, I, this is almost like the. Um, you know, the, the glory days of, of, of bringing stuff in and, and acquiring and collecting. And there may be a time where, uh, you know, what we have now is what we're going to have forever. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, that's, you know? I mean, that's very much on our minds as, you know, having businesses in the hobby, you know, and we've gotten a taste of it, you know, when Indo shut down for a little while, uh, Australia has restricted a lot of collection as far as numbers. And so, yeah. you know, we see a lot less Aussie stuff come in than we used to back in the heyday where we're just seeing boxes and boxes of Aussie stuff mm -hmm. come in. And uh, so, yeah, there's definitely, it's always in our mind. And But so, like you said, going to the subject of the future. So at least what we see, uh, I, I just there's going to be some time in the future where we're not going to be able to import. And just like you said, this may be the heyday of us being able to collect all these different species and different type corals. Um, so what I see in the future is really, and, you know, there's been a lot of talks on Magna, but, um, you know, of, of, of actually breeding them. of mm -hmm. corals. And so that's kind of the big hot topic 
the last couple of years of being able to do that. And so, you know, I, I've had a random spawn here and there. I've had an acro one night. I'm just like, whoa, what's yeah. going on? And it's just releasing <laughs> eggs. And I'm like, wow, I wish that would happen more regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, it says something about your system as well. You're like, well, you know, they're happy enough to reproduce. I'm doing something right. If they have the energy um, to, to make right. eggs and, and sperm or whatever. They're, they're definitely right. healthy if they got their resources, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not all about survival anymore. They're like, oh, we can yeah. stretch out, maybe work on some babies or something like that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. like it, just for us recently, too, like in one system, the euphilias had actually spawned. And because uh, I just started noticing all these little dots on my egg crate. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And, you know, the first thing you think is like, oh, no, Aptasia, Mahana, what pest has like entered my system? And I looked in closer inspection and they're baby euphilias, they're baby torches. Yeah. So yeah. as they grew out, I started removing them off the rack and gluing them on frag plugs. And I have, Adam, about 100 whoa little little tiny torches awesome wow so yeah super cool because there was about seven different varieties in that system Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure a couple of them hybridized because i'm looking at some of these babies as they're gaining colors and i'm like i don't have that in my system yeah whatever that is with the green speck and the gold i'm like that is nothing in this system so it's it's interesting so as we talk about the future the future for at least myself and my partner with black label is that we want we're actually specifically setting two systems aside that we hope to spawn corals yeah our goal is of course we'll keep the torches in there with it but our goal was to do acropora and start spawning acropora and keeping um species together like millies together tenuous together and just see what kind of hybridized kind of spawn comes out of it because yeah. i mean could you imagine if like a home wrecker spawned with a walt disney and yeah, yeah. created something of mixed color of both. I mean, could you imagine yeah, that? Yeah, I wonder so. as far as the genetics, how uh, if the species has to be the same or we're not sure. I mean, if you think about dogs, it's like a chihuahua can breed with a, a great, great dame. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it might be possible. So, so at least what we've uh, at least not we directly, but what we've been reading from um, literature is that like Miliopora have to be with Miliopora, tenuous, mm-hmm. have to be with tenuous. So, so, you know, we have one spawn that's just an off-species all by itself, like yeah. a tortusa, and it's the only one in the system. It will never reproduce anything mm-hmm. sexual. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a partner. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so at least we know that much, but it's, it's just getting the systems ready, setting the moonlight, temperature variations, you know, all of that to, 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 to signal to the corals to do their business. And then the yeah. hard part is to keep them healthy enough because if anybody here who has had an acropora tank, or I'd just say in reef tanks in general, you it, you ride that wave and you're like, I'm awesome. And then, hey, what's <laughs> happening? And then, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And hey, I'm rocking again. And yeah. that's just the life of a reef tank. Yeah, yeah. if it's doing awesome, you need to remind yourself that it is not always going to be doing awesome. It's, there's always going to be a down. <laughs> yeah. It's just like life, though, right? <laughs> it, is, it is. You know, it's the funniest thing. I saw this little snippet of video and it was like Tom Hanks. And it was like a couple of other actors sitting around a round table. I don't even know what the setup was. But the, the what he said is like, I wish I knew when I was younger and what I knew now. But like, it 
it, it, this shall pass. So if you're doing great and your career is amazing and everything, this shall pass. And if you're doing yeah. terrible and you're in the dumps and you just, you, you're at the low part of your life, this too shall pass. That's so true. Yeah. I look at reefing as that. I'm like, this rocks. Everything's just happy right now, growing frags left and right. This shall pass. It's definitely <laughs> like uh, appreciate the moments when it's doing well and be patient exactly. when it's not doing well. And, and you know, if you're, if you're patient and if you, you know, do the right things, like whatever they may be, you'll probably get back on a better track. Yeah, hopefully to turn back to where it is. Yeah. And, so, and I'd, I'd say that in anybody like yourself or myself that's been in the hobby long enough, it's a hobby of resilience. It's a, it's a hobby mm. of keeping the fight going it's not a hobby of i'm so smart and i can grow anything i'm a reefing god <laughs> not that no it's, it's oh. screwed up how do i recover from it and be patient with it you know no, it's that's, continually I humbling i mean i know i've had a crash before <laughs> yes. where i lost a lot of stuff and it was a it was a low point in my life but you know i, I was just looking at photos the other day of like I don't know, four months after um, that crash. And I was able yeah. to recover a lot of stuff. Uh, I was able That's to acquire a bunch that. of new colonies from yeah. uh, friends and people that I, I know kind of around the area. And and just yeah. looking at that, I was like, you know, within a year, I was better off than I was, you know, at that right. point. Right. <laughs> you know, so. bank, bank buddies are very important. Do you yeah. have your bank buddies? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I guess a good question we can kind of move on uh is there like a change or a product, something that you you did that you would say, like you really can attribute, like say it was like the only thing you did at the time. Is there something you can really attribute like a positive change to that you, you've seen like in your systems? So like technology or is a method? I'm going to say more like something you were dosing or, okay. uh, you know, something that would affect coral health or just the biology of the system overall yeah i mean i mean the easy one for me is definitely calcium reactors i don't know if we want to go that basic but just having a clear stable um alkalinity and mm -hmm. calcium you know your foundation and then dose the magnesium when needed but that alone once i installed a calcium reactor or you know two-part dosing all the same but once i did that it was leaps and bounds, at least for my system, because it, the stability alone was just everything to the coral. Because, mm. you know, at, at least for me, when they're super stable like that, you could grow frags. It's amazing. I used to just cut off my Oregon tort, which is known to be a slow grower. And in a month's time, boom, right yeah. back. Yeah. And, and, and you just, it's like, I never had that success until I actually put a calcium reactor on there or two-part dosing, you know, anything to just keep it stable. And so that was like the big aha moment for me back when I was getting started. Yeah. Uh, lately for me now, nutrient levels, being able yeah. to just put it right where you want it. So you're dosing nitrates and having you know, the drip constantly from an apex dose or something, or uh, even phosphates if needed, which is rare. I've never really had to do it too much on the phosphate side, but just being able to keep that solid line of nutrients uh, was a big deal because then I realized I'm like, oh, well, you know, every once in a while something happens, system gets thrown off, you have an algal bloom or cyano bloom, and you don't realize 
Oh, you're thinking the algae affects it? Yes, it does. Cyano affects it. Sure, of course. Dinos, mm -hmm. definitely. But the, the side effect that sometimes I didn't realize before was that the nutrient uptake. It sucked the nutrients out of the water, so the corals are kind of starving in a sense. And so yep. the minute you squash the algae, all of a sudden nutrients shoot up because there's nothing uptaken yeah, anymore. Yeah, literally so get the algae out of the system, so right, it's not competing. Right. Yeah, But then all of a sudden you have high nutrients because they're not. Yeah, yeah so no, it's just that, for sure. that fight. And so I was like, I never realized my fight. I always thought my fight would be alkalinity and calcium and magnesium. I didn't realize further down the road my real fight is nutrient level. <laughs> it's just having mm -hmm. that solid time. Well, and that uh, would be uh, that would be like a little bit of a testament to the calcium reactor too, because if you're using reborn yeah. or like a crushed coral media, like yeah. you're getting some phosphates from that media too, and it's it's right. on a very constant right. basis, right? So it that, yes. that might have been a big part of the change, but uh, yeah, and so I would contribute that if I had to lean towards two part dosing versus a calcium reactor, that to me. Yeah those trace elements that come in with uh, the, the media and the little bits of phosphates, um, I just found it was definitely added more to the system than just simple direct alkalinity or calcium. So mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. if, if anybody's on the fence of two-part dosing a calcium reactor, I would push them to calcium reactor mm -hmm. all the way. So Yeah, and I, I would um, actually, this is, I'm going to do like a fact check episode every once in a while. So this is something I want to put a note on but uh, I want to see what trace elements are actually in calcium reactor media because yeah. some of the trace elements that corals use is in the tissue so it's not going to be in the skeleton but right. I'd imagine those uh, right. you know we've got calcium carbonate magnesium strontium some of those harder elements right. are going to be in there but uh, um, yes. either way yeah, yeah. Um, I actually one of my systems that only runs a calcium reactor I dose uh, fauna marin uh, a elements AB um, because oh, yeah. basically yeah. they figured out what other elements are not going to be coming out of your reactor. Media. Oh yeah. And that calcium reactor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and my ICPs are pretty good on that tank. So, um, yeah, but, yeah. uh, are you doing regular ICPs on any of your systems? I wouldn't say regular, but we tried, we try like at least maybe at least twice, two to three times a year. We'll definitely, uh, more yeah. so if anything looks a little off. Um, I just, it's one of those, like you had mentioned earlier, ignorance is bliss sometimes, you know? Yeah. You kind of get stuck in the, oh, what's low? My strontium's low? Maybe I should bring that up. And then all of a sudden an acro colony poofs on me and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have brought that <laughs> You know, so I just, <laughs> yeah. if everything's happy, even though it says something is zero, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to mess with it. So that's why I didn't want to get yeah. too deep dived into the ICP results um, because I didn't want to affect what I'm seeing in person. It's like, well, if everything yeah. looks great and happy, I'm not going to mess with it. So For sure. I mean, I've been doing adjustments based on my ICPs, but I, I definitely under undershoot a little bit like yeah, um, yeah sometimes i'm surprised how much um how fast you can raise something by and i mean i'm sure like these companies have it dialed in but uh i'm and i'd rather uh stay on the the lower side and right you know i i think something is better than nothing when it comes to any right. particular element like um iron, you, iron is pretty much always zero for me i don't know about your icps have you seen iron on them you know it, it is usually pretty low on my side too yeah so. yeah so, yeah, I don't know. That seems to be one of those elements that uh, I think the um, any sort of algae or like the zooxanthellae in the corals seems to make use of it pretty fast. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. What am what are, what are some other good good questions? Oh, so this has come up a little bit lately because I've had kind of a little bit uh different answers depending on who I've talked to. But what's your stance oh, yeah. on amino acids? Ah, uh, so you know, I, I did the experiment with aminos when they were first kind of being marketed a little bit more, like you know, a lot of different uh, manufacturers are creating their own amino concoctions to, to yeah. sell those. Um, so at least from my own experience and just, this is only my take on it, but if, if you've had, if you had plenty of fish and you're feeding your system pretty regularly and fully, um, I didn't see a benefit in those tanks, but in mm-hmm. a system that was like very low on bio load, didn't have a lot of fish, there wasn't a lot of activity going on, and a lot of feedings, those that I added aminos to rocked. It just mm-hmm. it was great for the system. So that that's the the takeaway that I took from it was that if you have plenty of biodiversity, if you have a lot of bio bio load, or you're feeding constantly, but exporting enough so it's not an issue that I didn't see as much of a gain from aminos in those systems. Yeah, so. I would agree. I've only really seen a big difference when uh, my nutrient levels were lower kind of back in the right. day. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Leo Leonardo's Reef, uh, he told me that amino acids get converted into nitrates fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, right. So, you know, it's like it's kind of a little bit like the uh, vitamins being expensive P kind of thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, you're, yeah, sure. It's doing a thing that maybe your tank yeah. needs, so but there might be a cheaper way to do it. Add some more fish, feed a little more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So like, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like the big fish population and feeding healthy, you know, like feeding the tank a lot. Um, and that's, you mm-hmm. know, to be honest, a little snippet from when we even just a lesson learned for us when my partner and I were setting up new systems is that we, we, we forget how much you want to feed a system initially to kind of get some of these biological microprocesses going. So mm-hmm. like we, we were just forgetting to feed and forgetting to feed and immediately the uptake of all the nutrients and then algae starts growing and it's like, but when people see algae, everyone freaks out and I'm like, well, just, just push through it. Cause it's a new system mm-hmm. that, once we realized, just keep feeding, just keep feeding, just keep feeding, and the system cycled so much faster, the corals were so much happier in a newer system when we just kept feeding the system. So I think that's a lesson learned for us, or a takeaway for us, is starting new systems, and this may help a lot of new hobbyists as they go, but feed those systems. Don't be too afraid of that, you know? Mm-hmm. You- you can adjust the nutrients as you go, but feed them. Don't starve them. Yeah, uh, I, so. I agree. And don't necessarily keep your skimmer on 24-7 either. It's right. like, you know, right. I've seen people set up new systems and they're like, my skimmer is just hardly doing anything. It's like, that's because there's nothing in there for it there's to skim. No <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it's telling you. It's literally saying, hey, uh, I mean, yeah. I'm working over here, but uh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I don't think you need me. <laughs> Really, for a little like, while. It, this is a desert it's just like there's nothing there it's like a reef desert you yeah. get going on yeah so. <laughs> yeah no <laughs> all all of, all of this stuff it's skimming out is probably stuff that the the tank realistically will utilize yeah. especially if you've got some corals we'll probably there. need mm-hmm. right right so definitely interesting but so uh what do you guys kind of what's your quarantine protocol look like uh between the the shop and your um i assume you have systems at home as well like there's the shop yeah. and then some systems yeah. at home. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're, we're trying to, so the goal is, you know, because I was so heavy aquaculture, so the goal was to get everything to one location, so we wanted everything to the shop, because it just makes more sense once you're shipping and fragging and doing that, you need everything at one location. So our goal was to get all of my colonies, all of my stuff, livestock, at least a portion of it to the shop, and then mm-hmm. keep backups at my system at home. So I have the additional backups at home and then convert one of the systems I have at home into our, the future, spawning, mm-hmm. you know, like getting yeah. into that and experimenting with that system. Um, so, but going back to your question, as far as quarantining and those processes, again, lesson learned for us, because I've been such an aquaculture guy that, you know, it's, it's simple. You know, you bring in new pieces, you dip them, you put them in. I had a backup system that I would, and it was a fully running, functioning acapora system mature so i put them in there and observe dip them maybe a couple more times before anything and then as they grow then i would clip a piece and move it to my main system and so yeah. that was so just a piece yes yes just a so piece. that was yeah. my process uh on my side but lesson learned for us is in our new systems that we set up at the shop everything's going good we cycle we're getting corals in there and they're happy and then we start importing and bringing new pieces in and we're dipping them as we go and we do have a receiving tank but they don't stay in there too long because you know quality wise it's not as stable as the main systems that we have but what we've realized is that as i brought stuff that was cultured over and then we had imported stuff that went through their quarantine processes and ended up in the same system, all of a sudden we had this kind of bacterial fight. And that's mm-hmm. the best that I can put it as describing it, but I'd have cultured colonies of goniopora and I made like 20 frags of it, took it to that system. And then we had an imported gorgeous goni that we brought in doing well in one system. And finally, you know, three, six months later, we're like, okay, we fragged it up. It's still doing great. We move it to the same system as my cultured gonies, and all of a sudden, boom! Like it, like it just, all the gonies were having issues, so or just the other type. Some bacterial incompatibility, some I pets. You, you just don't know. To me, mm. it's some bacterial incompatibility. But the the minute those two, they weren't even near each other, but we put them in the same system. And the wild bacteria, I guess, with the ones that are freshly imported versus the cultured gonies that I've had for five, six years plus, they wiped them out. Both of them wiped out. They were completely, no, the no. skeletons started, and you've never even seen that before, but gonies, full on flesh would just peel off the skeleton like that. And Crazy. we're just like, what is happening? <laughs> and so we've made it very strict policy now to completely separate anything imported and completely can separate anything culture. They never mix. So we never mm. mix it from this point on. Okay. Because yeah. we've not just noticed it in gonies. We've noticed it in mushrooms. We've noticed it in euphilia. And we've noticed it in acropora. So now we just keep systems entirely separate. If this is imported, that's where this system is. Mm-hmm. If, they're, if they're culture, that's where this is. And again, it just could be my system. My cultured pieces have gotten used to a certain way, a certain bacteria culture uh, in my systems. And then when they mixed with the Marys or the wild pieces, it just didn't work out. And and they died off and they all died off. So again, lessons learned for us, 
So now we keep everything separate and we will always continue to do that in our systems. Okay. So. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder if you could kind of reset the um, the biome of the coral from, um, you know, an right. anti antibiotic dip. Obviously, that's kind of a hot, right. uh, hot debated topic right now. Yes, have, yes, have, yes. have you done any um, bacterial treatments on any specific corals? We've we've experimented. We've experimented because we use. Uh, I used to use Cipro a lot for like uh, the Colorado sunburst anemones. That was just one of the big mm. things you could do to kind of save them because they had a similar issue. They were a cultured anemone, you know, ten years of lineage plus on these things. They've been growing captive for forever, and then uh, but there was such a low success rate, and initially we couldn't figure out why. And we were like, mm -hmm. oh, they're just sensitive. They're just sensitive. And it's like, well, they're bubble tips. I mean, you you, no. can, you can slice them in a blender and you end up with five of them, you know? And yeah, so why yeah. are these sunbursts dying left and right? And so we finally figured it out as a community that that they should not mix with other anemones. And we didn't know why, you know, we talked you know, we could think like um, toxicity or, you know, the, the, um, was it chemical attacks on each other? Yeah, it you know, could be some kind theories. of chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in the day, to me, it's, it was bacterial. It was just mm -hmm. a bacteria and the culture ones have gotten used to um, whatever strain is in our systems and the wild stuff comes in and just destroys their microbiome and poof, they're gone. Mm -hmm. And you can literally see that if you if you take a Colorado sunburst and you mix it with a, any anemone that's maybe wild or not as cultured as long, and within a month, that Colorado sunburst will lose all its color, turn right. brown, and then start hiding and shrivel away and die. And, and so once we figured out that was the issue, people kept them separate. And now we've had such great success with Colorado mm -hmm. sunburst. You're kind of selling so them, you kind of need to have a disclaimer on the website, right? You have to say, like, mm -hmm. don't keep these with these because, right. <laughs> you know. And that's why, yeah. like, anybody orders it, I'm like, do you have other anemones? And yes or no. It's like, okay, yes, I suggest you don't purchase this then. You know, it's like, like we're pretty mm -hmm. upset with people when they buy one. Uh, and, and so that to me is the interesting part of what we're seeing with the, the, new, the new collection sites. Like when we talk about Malaysian corals, keep a Malaysian only tank and they're great. You take that speciosa and you mix it in with even a happy acro tank, you know, like say one of your systems and you put that healthy, happy speciosa in there and maybe some bacteria incompatibility is the reason why those speciosas mm -hmm. don't survive. Um, because I see them at the importer and they're only in a Malaysian tank. And they look great. And mm -hmm. you know, at a certain point, I think I saw one system that had them for two months, and they were still doing great. And two months with this brand new speciosa colony is kind of a big deal. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah. I'm like, something is working here. And yeah. to me, like you know, just putting the pieces together, it's all Malaysian. So yeah. the bacteria culture is all Malaysian. So the, yeah. the I wonder if there's something so, to that. I mean, at the end of the day, people yeah. want to have a mixed reef with. Um, sure. You know, corals from different regions. But yeah, yeah, it's almost like, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, Spanish explorers going to uh, North America and spreading spreading diseases. Perfect. It's like, you know, they hadn't adapted to that. There's just something right. different about that, you know, because maybe it's not a disease, but it's a bacteria that's foreign to that. 
uh, right. coral tissue right. and the coral is just kind of like, eh, I don't really like this. This is not good yeah. for me. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> We're spreading the smallpox. Like we got smallpox yeah. everywhere going in every reef tank from Malaysia, you know, like it very much yeah. could be something like that. And, and so that's why we've become very strict in our systems to keep these things separately. You know, we might not isolate Australia and Indo because they've they had a history of working out well together. People have imported us mm -hmm. Indo together for many years now. Yeah. But Malaysian, if we get Malaysian in, that's separate. We, yeah. we don't even trust that. So. Well, and I think uh, some of the... Um you know, interesting morphs and, and, and kind of maybe some of those green fluorescent protein infections are kind of a result of us keeping corals oh. in the same tank there, you know, yeah. from different regions. And yeah, and one thing I was talking about with someone was, um, is there something to be said for, say, completely bleaching a healthy coral? So all the zooxanthellae is ejected and then okay. putting it with other corals from different regions, yeah. would it populate right. with a different zooxanthellae that maybe has a different look to it you yeah know, that would be it, interesting because i mean they pull it from the water column so they 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 colonize their zooxanthellae from the water column as far as i understand so <laughs> the possibility yeah. but bleaching them <laughs> i mean, I mean you get as close to death as possible it's like hey suck in some new colors guy you know like, yeah yeah so what was that product it was a zeovit product i think it was called zeospur or something like that oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. that was it an was... interesting actually kind of going back to the past for a second i remember yeah. the zeovit thing oh it was, yeah it was interesting because it was like these really pastel corals, but the colors were bright. I mean, at least on the okay. examples of the good Zeovit system. Like the fluorescent colors were bright. Yeah, the, yeah. the fluorescent, definitely but bright. The base me, colors were very light, but. To me, like I would never, I don't think I would be able to keep corals that light mm -hmm. over time and keep them healthy. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the concept. It's like you're dancing that line. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Riding that line. And the concept was that the coral is getting more of its energy uh, from bacteria, which is converting nitrates right. and phosphates into a form that the polyp can use for food and a little bit less right. reliant on the, the energy it's getting from the symbiotic algae. Yeah. 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 But but I just I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm <laughs> I glad always... that that's not popular anymore because. <laughs> yeah. I, that, when people used to ask about that, I was like, and it's probably a terrible analogy, but like. I always akined it to like, I was like, when you do that, you're like, it's like a supermodel, you know, like they're towing the line of like health and yeah. beauty, you know, like, like yeah. is that super skinny model, is that the healthiest person out there? Or is it like, you know, someone with a little, little thickness to them is yeah. that healthier. And so, um, you know, in that sense, it's like that coral is like at the edge of its beauty, but also at the edge of its health too. So I'm just... Mm. Uh, it just seems like a, a a a quick little little flip of one parameter, and poof, the whole yeah. thing's gone. Yeah, so, I uh, find the same shoot. with uh, sometimes corals when they come in. Um, they might yeah. get a little bleach from shipping, but they can look really rad, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, especially yeah. Millie's. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. where like as as a as a guy who gets to comb through imports, that's where mm -hmm. when my first adventure to go into a facility, and I was like look at all these colors and then you learn over time you're like that doesn't stay That's yeah just, totally all this totally. isn't deli it's starved all the colors are there but it's just a starved acro that needs to be acclimated again so. yeah and there, there is something there's something about that ocean water that i mean there's a certain kind of vibrance and i don't know metallic sheen that 
Yeah. Um, I don't know if, you know, some of the Moonshiners guys that are like absolutely on point um, are probably pulling some of those colors. But um, yeah, yeah, I would say that's like, that's that absolute fine, fine tuning point that's uh, super tricky. Um, So you you haven't messed around with trace elements too much, like um, as far as based on your ICPs. So your ICPs are more kind of to check there aren't any heavy metals in the system. Just just to make sure. Yeah, just to make sure. I, I maybe I should rely on it more. I just it just you know I've done things a certain way and I've had a certain amount of success and I don't I don't want to stray too far from that. Just straying from my roots. So I think mm-hmm. as long as I continue to have success, I may not ever rely on it. But uh, you know that's what the beauty of having multiple systems is. Is that maybe we'll give it a shot on one system and yeah. kind of see if we see any differences on our side. So. Yeah, I mean, something I would say about the Moonshiners method, too, is that, like, no new hobbyist is getting into doing Moonshiners. Nobody from the start of setting up their very first reef tank is like, okay, I'm going to do, apparently this is good, I'll do Moonshiners. It's like, all the people that are doing Moonshiners already had awesome tanks, you know, and then it might have just made that little like extra difference um maybe that little yeah. tweak or whatever yeah so yeah you had the basis there and it was successful already and yeah. then just a little tweak on top so yeah. Yeah. um but you know like again as far as long as we've lasted in this hobby i've gotten more in trouble with the tweaks that i've made the you know all the little tweaks that i've tried to do i've killed yeah. more doing that than i am just leaving it alone so yeah. i'm just so, do, you, do you have um, a good I'm, example of something that maybe uh, maybe it'll be a good? Uh, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I mean, you don't want to relive it, but uh, what what was the one that I got? It was a it was a sulfur reactor. I got into hmm. I got into one of those, and I was like, oh, this is a great way to remove you know control my nutrients or whatever, and and I gave it a try, and oh, something with the setup, I didn't have things correctly dialed in. And it was just dumping nauseous gases into my system because mm. it wasn't correctly tuned. And, yeah. you know, within like two days, all my acros started turning black, like almost black. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? And by the whoa. time I killed the reactor off, it already had its effect on the system. Yeah. So it took me, it was like a four to six month recovery, lost a lot of stuff through that process too. And I was just like, why, why did my nutrient levels were fine? I was just finding a different way. I was leaving bio pellets to move to something else. And mm-hmm. I was like, if it works, why mess with it? You know, but I just got caught yeah. up new, new thing. Let me try this out. So Yeah. And that's another thing I think um, is if you're switching a method, I was, I was talking to uh, unorthodox reef Jay about this. Um, if you're switching methods, yeah. he switched to a calcium reactor from two part. And we were talking yeah. about how, uh, you know, it was a thing where it wasn't just like I'm turning off my dosing and I turned on this reactor. He, right. you know, he gradually kind of dialed the reactor in slowly, started to turn yeah, the doses mode. down. And it was just like a give and take until it was dialed. And it's like, right. that's what you got to do if you're going to make a change, yeah. uh, especially to something yeah. kind of major like that. Make sure you just take it slow, like slower than I... you think even. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you think like, I mean, they're so used to a certain way of life. It's like if we got used to a certain way and all of a sudden someone came in and it's like, oh, you can't have beer and pizza anymore. And you're like, what? You know, like, <laughs> not that it would like be detrimental to my health. It'd probably be better for my health. But it just a sudden <laughs> shock and change of a certain lifestyle. You're like, what? What's yeah. happening? So yeah. I could see the corals doing the same thing, you know, that you change up their livelihood and they're like react to it. So Yeah. Uh, 
Um, as far as parameters, um, would yeah. you say there's anything out of your parameters that you do a little bit outside of what um, would be typical? I mean, I think most people listening to this podcast are going to kind of understand yeah. the um, the alkalinity ranges and what. So is there anything you think is yeah. a little bit different? You know, I mean, I wouldn't say there's any like magical thing that I do that's different or anything that I keyed in on. I do definitely like to keep my magnesium a little higher, but I don't like yeah. toning that line. The, all the mixes put us at like 1280, which I think is the minimum to me. Yeah. And, I and I wish it was higher. I wish they would put us all at 1350 to 1400. So yeah. I do try to keep my magnesium a little higher just for that because, you know, you got, you got a calcium drop off of 420, you get down to 380 and you're still good. You know, yeah, yeah, bring fine. it back yeah. up. But the minute your your magnesium drops off at of 1280, I just, I mean, again, probably my system, but I can immediately point to two acros that are immediately going to start STNing if I get below 1280. Mm. And yeah. so I'm telling myself, like, why dance that line so tight? So I try to keep a high magnesium. But yeah, uh, that's really it, I would say. Yeah, would I've say. definitely noticed magnesium to be a big thing for LPS, especially like yeah. torches, like m most LPS. But um, yeah. yeah, have you noticed on ICP tests, I've noticed that yeah. my ICP tests have a higher magnesium, quite a bit higher than my salifert. And I really do trust yeah. salifert. Um, but I wonder if that's a universal thing. You know, I wonder that too, because even, you know, I've gotten lazier in my days and kind of rely on Trident a little bit more. And uh, so whatever my Trident reads, but then I send in and I record my values and I'm like, it's always like 50 to 75 higher when I get my ICP tests. Yeah. yeah. Same with me. Like, yeah, up to a hundred even. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I, I most recently got the HANA magnesium after the whole botch reagent thing that they did with their initial rollout but um mm -hmm. new reagents that they got uh are doing better and so i'm curious on my next icp i'll take a i'll take example with the hannah and see where i'm sitting at compared yeah. to the trident and the icp mm -hmm. uh, yeah we'll see i'm, I'm not yeah. sure why it always reads higher so that's funny that you reported that too but yeah it's nice to know that you're like i mean people talk smack about hobby grade kits but honestly like i mean yeah. i think that this most of the salifer kits are great like you know i i trust them so yeah. many times <laughs> i i test my trident against my salifer kits i try to I try to test about every probably once a week with Salford yeah. and not just completely rely on the Trident. And and I find yeah. it's usually within about 10 ppm when it comes to the calcium. Yeah. You know, alkalinity right. close, you know. So um, yeah. do you ever test potassium? I do, actually. Yeah. I use the Salford one, if yeah. I can remember. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. Salford one. It's the only one I, I... What was the one I bought before? Was it Red Sea or something? The Red Sea was one awful. Seems, it seems weird. Yeah, it's that multi It's an awful process. Yeah. Like filtering through a micron and i was yeah. just like what am i doing so <laughs> with the salifert one and it seems pretty spot on because yeah. you know i'll notice things uh i'm trying to remember was it was like 400 or something like we try to keep it around yeah, 400, yeah. Uh -oh. sorry I'm, I'm a little loopy i don't get much sleep yeah, these days day. <laughs> hey, it's late for you right now anyways what is it, 11 o'clock <laughs> Well, I, I average about five, five and a half hours with the kids, so I'm just like, oh. I don't get much sleep. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like any, what I've noticed is um, typically the salt mixes have been keeping me, like I use Red Sea Blue Bucket, you know, um, mm -hmm. and and so it keeps me pretty good about 390, sometimes 400. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the weird thing though, like once in a blue moon, and it's only my main system and not my backup system, but once in a blue moon, my potassium just drops in my main mm. system. And I have not been able to figure out what, if it's an uptake issue, if something is just growing and uptaking on the potassium, but out of nowhere, you know, it'll ride 400, 400, 400, and all of a sudden out of nowhere at 360. Yeah, I notice it because there's a certain acro that I always key in on, and I'm like, "What? Uh oh, no, let me test my potassium." And I'll test yeah. it. Sure enough, it's low, and I'm like, "What?" So yeah. that was, I would say, as we were discussing, whoever's listening on, but like that is the one element that I feel should be thrown up there with the big three. Yeah, you know, like, and it is a major element. It's 400 ppm. It's the same amount right. as uh, calcium, pretty much. Yeah. You know? And so it's just one so, of those things that once I keyed in on it and making sure that it was correct in my tanks, that like I at hmm. least, so my acros, they were a lot happier. And it's not like they weren't happy, but it was just that little next level. I'm like, oh, there's like super happy now. So I always yeah. try to key in on it. But I mean, most of the time, you know, your regular salt eggs or food, you know, like throwing in nori, it's got potassium in it. You know, like those things yeah. that you do to feed, it should keep your levels where it should be. But like I said, just once in a blue moon, it's always that main system and it drops to 360 and i'm like what and you can see it in acros and so mm. like if, if anybody's listing on you know alk calcium magnesium potassium throw that yeah potassium on there yeah so, definitely um i mean i would say i would put iodine up there in terms of importance but one of the unfortunate yeah. things with iodine is i don't think there's a good kit out there there's a horrible kit yeah. they're all horrible like you're just like this yellowish color yeah. versus this lighter yellowish color and i'm like i can never tell the difference so yeah. it's just so hard for me to test for i'm just afraid to dose it you know so um but yeah it's it's one of those that's like i feel like it's rapidly depleted in our systems like super mm -hmm. rapidly depleted so um, yeah see the benefits of dosing it so. definitely something that if you know say if you don't do icps super often but you know your system uses it like just put in like a drop yeah. or two a, yeah. a day or every couple days just so yeah. there's something the better than nothing yeah something's better like than nothing heard. it's a it's a good I, I mean jake does a jake thing was uh was saying you know some some amount of some level of this is better than absolutely nothing so. <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> you know they use it so just put something in the water yeah. you know it doesn't have to be a desert of it so but yeah yeah for sure uh so let's talk about ph a little bit and because uh, yeah. if you're running calcium reactors are you doing calc as well or are you just yes. so you are okay yeah i feel like that kind of yeah. goes hand in hand these days for people that are, that are doing yeah. reactors yeah so what's and i don't your... think it's enough like i don't think it's in the discussion enough when people say calcium reactors but it should almost immediately be followed with <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. like yeah. from experiences with it definitely run cap with it um it was a fu funny story so um i'm sure you guys a good buddy of mine he's in florida uh, go by goes by the handle of bubba q but uh big sps guy um we became good buddies online and chat all the time but it's funny funny anecdote about about ph so he like hit me up and he's like man what do you think about ph and this is like i think five six years back and i'm like oh it's junk. Like it's you don't need to worry <laughs> about that. That's not gonna affect anything of growth yeah. acropora. Because I re recently read this like article about like how acropora can like create this microenvironment of pH 
where it's higher at its growth rate. So like in a certain area where it's growing, it can actually micro manipulate that pH level. It does its own like, chemistry in its, in its tissue. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, so it doesn't even matter. And I was telling him, and I said, that's just junk theory. That's just one of those things that people are trying to trend on. And then I actually like bumped up my pH did like, you know, the little, um, the, the media to kind of pull out the carbon dioxide out of the system and mm. bump your pH even higher. And almost instantly I saw a higher growth rate. So yeah. Like, you see your alkalinity, alkalinity dropping. Yeah. You're like, yeah. And I was like, well, I'll be damned. And so, you yeah. know, I, I, I ate crow on that one and I, and I, I, I hit him back up. I'm like, you were right, man. You were right. So, so from that point on, he's been giving me, you know, giving me crap about it once in a blue moon and reminding me. He's like, remember when you said pH didn't matter? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I remember that. So, but, uh, so what is your range kind of from day to day? What's your low and your high? You know, the main um, system. So lows probably about 8.1 to uh, roughly a little bit hair lower than that. And the high is about 8.3. And I try to keep it around that range. So actually, I have my calc dosing on the pH level a little bit as well. So to dose mm-hmm. a little bit more as it gets lower, um, uh, I wouldn't recommend that with everybody because then mm-hmm. your alcohol starts getting a little crazy. But I've been able to maintain it pretty well. Um, but yeah, that's the range I aim for, uh, and on top of telling my kids not to breathe too much in the house, I'm like, quit breathing so much, you're taking my pH level yeah, down. Yeah, don't get any bigger and don't breathe anymore. <laughs> Just stay the same size. Get out of here. Stay small. Stay small. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, we, I've benefited that, like, uh, in our house, we happen to have a room that's completely separate for the fish room, and I put my nice. own little mini split in there so we try to keep the air separated from in there so i i don't get too much swings but it was funny back in the day when we had just my display and before i was doing all the growing and selling and aquaculture i just had a display system that i had you know this apex i first installed my apex within that first year and I had a big old party. I think it was like my big 30th party. Yeah, yeah, Probably yeah. had like 80 people in the house. And I was watching my like apex and my alarm started going off. pH was just like oh, no yeah. stop. And I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. So, you know, opened up the doors and everything. But it was just so cool to see. It's just like, this is a direct effect of yeah, the environment around direct. It. Yeah, so it's yeah. wild to see. Yeah, I've definitely noticed, yeah, for sure. Like you said, uh, corals just grow faster and higher pH. It's a little bit like, yes. um, I think if you relate it to, say, uh, you know, the farming world or something like that, it's like plants grow fast in greenhouses, you know? It's warmer. Right. It's, right. You know, I think, uh, I don't know, um, I'm curious if higher salinity grows corals a little bit faster too. I mean, essentially, you're... you're um, speeding up the metabolism of everything hot yeah. if you weren't yeah. if you run system warmer you know higher ph higher salinity yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know like yeah i mean we used yeah. to kind of run our tanks warmer right like i used to run my tank yeah you know well, 80 we didn't have a choice <laughs> yeah the metal hill, I was like boiling the water right <laughs> yeah. we really didn't have a choice so i mean we were doing the opposite now we're trying to warm up our tanks with the leds and back then we had like insurmountable amount of chillers that were trying to cool our water and doing the opposite but yeah. uh yeah I, I mean i remember running like 82 83 with the metal halides um mm-hmm. and they were fine but i think the other side of the coin is you increase that metabolism but you also increase like growth rates of algae 
Yeah. So, yeah. like, with your higher temperatures, sure, you can grow out corals faster, but an algae bloom can just blow up much quicker yeah. as well. So, and and know, anything like that, it's uh, that riding the line thing. I mean, you know, we we even though the ocean, the alkalinity is what six point eight or somewhere right. in there, it's like. It's like, yeah, but I'm going to keep my alka at 8 to 8.5 because if something happens and it drops quickly, I don't want it going down to 4. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's only yeah, going to go down fact. to 7 or 7.5. Exactly. Uh, and there same was, with temp, was... right? Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is an average? But, you know, like the variability of temps on, on most reefs is, is, is a big range. I mean... They're going from like 73 sometimes up to like 83. And I, this is over a seasonal period, but like hmm. the temperature ranges that the corals are, 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 are you know, been going through is, a, is crazy. So when we look yeah. at these bottles to set up for spawning to mimic these seasonal changes over the years, I've actually like was looking into decreasing the range, you know. Hmm. It can go from like 72 in one season up to 84 in, a, in, a, in, a, in the summer season as a temperature. But I'm like, I'm not running 84 in my tank. So, you know, I just yeah. take two notches down and my high will be like 82, 83. And my low will be like 75, 76 and keep that range a little tighter because I don't want to stress it out. Because, you know, like I said, our systems are made up of so many different corals in so many different regions. Hmm. Some may not appreciate, you know, like 73, and no, others sure. will die when you get to anywhere near 82, 83. So, you know. Yeah. Um, and I something I kind of thought about when I was I was in Bali uh, back in February. And, um, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's highly seasonal there. Like, you've got the rainy yeah. season where there's like, probably bigger swings in, in salinity, uh, like that's all the runoff, all the murky stuff that's coming off in the rivers. And, and like yeah. one of the main, uh, as I think it's Sarangan is one of the main places where a lot of the farms are in Bali. And, yeah. and, you know, I got there a little bit, like when the tide was coming up and it was like murky and dark and <laughs> like, it did not seem like a place. If I was a coral in a pristine, you know, crystal clear water yeah. tank, it'd be like, get me yeah. out of here. But I like, mean, I'm not that. but, but it makes you wonder, like, should we, you know, put a little bit more variety into our systems, like run a couple days a month where the lights are, uh, 30% lower, 40% lower, uh, you know, and, and even when it comes to feeding, it's like, you know, you have your regular amount you probably normally feed, but maybe like skip a day here and then add twice as much food here on this day. Like just, you know, because that's kind of more what it would be like in the wild, right? Like, are we too pampering and too consistent? But they have such a buffer though, you know, like the natural ocean is yeah. such a huge buffer that we don't, we don't get to have in our hundred gallon system or our, our, 20 gallon nano you know you you mm -hmm. you overfeed one day in a nano and you're shot <laughs> that's yeah. why it's 0.6 and things are dying so it's like but no I, I agree with you like at least back then when we had metal halides we had no choice but to go from 80 to 83 it was yeah. a daily influx of this temperature what nowadays i can hold my temperature static if i wanted to but mm -hmm. i still allow it yeah. to raise one or two but um yeah yeah the, the variability I, I got a good buddy down the street he's an sps guy too and he's a he's an environmental scientist like i used to be as well and so we you know mm -hmm. we geek out and we talk and we joke about these things but you know he 
he, he's had so many different things happen to his systems over the years that he jokes about. He's like, oh, all my corals are John Strong. Like, these guys are thick. <laughs> Only the healthiest have survived, so these guys are unkillable, you know? And then to, to yeah. a certain point, there's some truth to that, you know? As they've gone through all these stressors, the ones that survive are going to be the strongest ones. So, you know, it makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, for sure. And that's back to that thing with... Uh... You know, maybe there's zooxanthellae in uh, certain parts of Indonesia or, say, the Red Sea. Apparently, corals are really hardy in the Red Sea. Um, really? That can be transplanted into other reefs um, that is more resilient <laughs> to those temperature swings. Because often those yeah. breaching events are not the coral dying. It's the zooxanthellae ejected yeah. from the coral. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to see if they get anywhere with it. I mean, I think um, it was like a like a ocean scientist i saw a lecture do on this and i mean yeah. i don't i don't know i mean i think that's a little bit more of a band-aid than it is a real solution um you know because yes you know if the yeah. temperature keeps going up you're just gonna have to get <laughs> you have to keep better. keep acclimating them to like yeah. 90 degrees like yeah. i mean what was it like 100 in florida you know like it's just like how, how do you acclimate how do you yeah we actually my partner and i literally same words out of your mouth that we were talking about it's like it's like do you kind of feel like this is a band-aid like we're not solving the actual environment mm -hmm. issue to to solve these things we're just kind of yeah. reacting to the the effects of it you know so but yeah i'll have to get the name of who the um biologist was but yeah. she was based out of the institute in hawaii and oh, yeah. uh, i think she was saying that there would be bleaching events where like poslipora um, which is one of the sort of, there's only really parades in Poslapora in Hawaii that I've seen, yeah. <laughs> which are cool. Um, but she was saying that they would see a bleaching event and there would be like one or two in a region where like a few hundred or thousand or whatever bleach, one or two would look totally fine. So the idea so was I to go and see like what's different about these you know, specific ones. And, you know, we're, yeah. we're by accident doing those tests all the time <laughs> you know. by putting these corals through this, this shit we put them through. That's exactly it. You know, <laughs> still have my organ tort and all the crap that it's seen over the years. I'm like, that yeah. guy will survive anything these days. Yeah. <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I hope the scientific community at some point will, um, you know, our little anecdotal, uh, experience that we gain as as yeah. hobbyists and and you know as business owners and what we do i mean uh I, yeah. I think it does provide some some probably some meaningful uh information to those people like i mean how many marine biologists um spent the amount of time you and i have spent with our hands in the tank literally working with right. acropora or you know euphelia right. or whatever like we have s such an eye for it and and you right. know we don't have i mean you have some of the background right but <laughs> yeah yeah but but you know but, like yeah you know like literally the exact situation where there's a at the university here in austin there is a coral research facility here um and you know my friend and i the one down the street we I think I initially reached out to them a long, long time ago, and I was looking for something to kind of like, you know, single man, have a little extra time on my hands, no kids. And mm -hmm. I was like, would you be open to someone just volunteering in the lab? You know, because mm -hmm. it was a cool research lab. And they're like, oh, well, you know, and it kind of schedule-wise, it didn't kind of work out at the time, but we kind of kept in touch. 
And then they had moved to a certain point where they were wanting like live specimens to experiment on and they focused on Millipora. So he reached out to me and he said, hey, do you have any like, can I get some frags of Millipora for you for some research? I'm like, gladly. So I'm snipping yeah. away stuff and dropping it off. And then eventually it came to a point where they're like, you know what, we'd love to have someone consult us on how to keep corals alive yeah let's start <laughs> let's start with keeping corals alive and then we'll yeah. think about breeding them <laughs> yeah yeah on the experiment side of it the science side of it they knew everything about husbandry and what was needed to keep these things alive but they just couldn't do it themselves because they mm -hmm. just didn't have that experience and it's not that it's, they couldn't be learned but they're like well, you guys you two know what you're doing so can mm -hmm. we pay you guys to set up tanks in our systems and keep the corals alive and so at that point you know i'm, I'm married and having kids and he was more the single guy and i was like hey take him and he <laughs> will help you out and so we you know he got a system uh going on their rooftop which is interesting. It's climate control, but it's on the rooftop, so it's natural light coming into this mm -hmm. thing. And yeah. through different varying shades, I'll put it over to control the par level. Um, and so that's been the experiment gone, but they were able to spawn some Meliopora in that system cool. and in his system as well, because he kind of set his system, his home system up. And it was really interesting. He got a beautiful a spawn the first, I think the first year that he did it. And so it saved them money because instead of having to go to Australia and collect samples during the spawning event, they were able to spawn it here, right here in Austin. And mm. it saved them a trip, saved them all, and they were able to do their experiments off of that. So uh, cool. so it's really interesting, like what you said about hobbyists and scientists, academia and hobbyists being able to kind of find this collaborative effort uh to, to help each other out on these things so yeah i mean we, learn. Might, we might not be able to talk the science talk but we know what we're looking at <laughs> <laughs> exactly we're like what are you guys doing and you know both him and i have a science background we're like what are you guys doing with these yeah. so it was, just, it was just kind of funny uh but, was uh, this uh facility able to were some of the spawn able to settle like did they actually have um successful so not so much settlement side side they were interested in like studying the gametes and studying um, um, uh, different parts of like I guess one to find the trigger on how to get it to spawn because they were kind of keying in on maybe like moonlights maybe it is just moonlights you know trying to single a factor out um, but no not so much as like any insight into uh, that process other mm -hmm. than spawning yeah. And using it locally. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, like, I've had, um, I've had a couple of Acropora spawns and one time it was just, yeah. uh, Cali tort. Um, and yeah. it was interesting cause it was a bigger colony and there was a frag yeah. cistern that was attached and there's a bunch of frags, and, but one sort of mini colony and the mini colony spawned at the same time as the, the big colony. So oh, the big some, yeah. some correlation, uh, no pun intended between the two of them. <laughs> um, but, uh, this this more recent spawn I had was like I had like freaking like fifteen different corals spawning or something like that. Uh, oh really? So and are you like doing any variable seasonal temperatures? Are you are you trying to do any of that? Or no, I don't just even run the moonlight cycles on my okay. radions, so right. I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I think also like if we have corals that we've had in the hobby for a long time, all the ones that spawn were were you know old school corals, right? They weren't okay. uh, yeah. they weren't like so if they 
have a memory of like a, a seasonal memory of when to spawn because yeah. don't all the corals spawn on the same day in australia or something like that yeah. like isn't that yeah. pretty typical um they yeah. totally forgot <laughs> you know when the day that was <laughs> But it's yeah. So it's, you get these premature spawners, you know, like, hey, what's going on over here? It's not even the right season for it. <laughs> premature, premature. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Sorry, we turned into a thirteen-year-old boy. There. Yeah, no, that's okay. There's uh, <laughs> a question I've been asking a few people because it's just a little thing I'm. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say I, I'm maybe semi-struggling with right now. Um, yeah. A few of my corals that should have that metallic green in the base. Uh, yeah. so let's say like PC rainbow, uh, the CB uh -huh. Maleficent, um, like they have great color, like they're very vibrantly red, but they don't right. have that metallic kind of green gold kind of in the base like they used to. Uh, right. one person suggested that it could be to do with just like lower light. You get more of that pigment. Uh, and yeah. another thought I had was that it could be iron, but I just wonder if you've, uh, you know, seen anything to do with that that you can no, attribute to it at least with the pc yeah the pc rainbow i felt like the lower light it, it definitely manifested more so yeah. you know kind of like red planet you know where you put it a little bit lower and you'll get more of those greens versus the intense red and pinks um at least for pc rainbow i in my experience lowering the par uh, and and you'll get some more of that green pop on it um yeah but you know, I, I and again, I haven't experimented with like iron or anything like that, and messing with those uh, micro elements as much to kind of see some of these changes. Because um, so. something I would say that I've I've seen systems where the whole tank just seemed to have really really good metallic in its corals. Like it just yeah. seemed to, yeah. for whatever reason, like it it was the coral that was high up and low down and whatever. Like the corals just yeah. wanted to be metallic. Just just <laughs> had that. Is it maybe lighting? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, T5, you know, or a little bit of metal. Yeah, the in. last system I saw it in was a tank that was just lit by uh, those Red Sea LEDs. Uh, oh. And he had great, like, had his corals were very, very metallic. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I've i experimentally been uh, paying more attention to iron and seeing if that, yeah. that has anything to do with it. I'm waiting on an ICP that should arrive tomorrow morning, I think, so... <laughs> always that waiting game we'll see yeah 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 i wonder that because you know for a while i kept thinking in my head i'm like uv what about true uv light is that causing some of them to fluoresce in certain ways that we don't see and you know like a lot of our lightings is you know they mention uv but it's not true uv you know it's not under mm -hmm. a certain nanometer to be true uv so i'm like i wonder if certain lights can bring those certain colors out you know, like with the metal halides, we had UV in there. It was hmm. UV. They had spectrums that dipped below 400. Um, but, and maybe, forgive my memory, but I feel like the radions don't have true Yeah, UV. I mean, that's definitely been a, kind of like a, a purple discussion UV. topic, is it? Yeah, it's not yeah. like a true hitting that waveform. Yeah, right. right. I'd like to see some studies on it. I know like, um, yeah, like Tulio was talking about it and, uh, um, yeah, it, was, it would be interesting. I mean, I don't know. I kind of think 
like it like you say it could be lighting related and it could be one of, it could right. be the channel that says uv on the radions that's whatever that right. you know nanometer frequency is it could be affecting um it could be taking them away and essentially yeah. as opposed to you know Possibly helping so. develop them but um yeah. yeah it's just uh you know because the pc rainbow is a pretty easy acro like i grow it like crazy but it just doesn't right. um doesn't oh, yeah. have that super metallic base anymore so yeah okay well my quest will go on oh no i was just saying like the last time i remember seeing that metallic i don't i don't have pc rainbow anymore but like the last time i remember seeing that color was when i had it under my ati sun power fixture like mm -hmm. t5 just raining down on it and that's when i remember i saw the last color pop on it in that metallic sheen that you're talking about um because since then I switched over the radions and I will say like at least to and this is anecdotal because um, it's just my opinion but like for me I felt like the radions were great at pulling these nuances of like um, um, micro rainbowish colors and like tenuous and pulling out certain other colors that are very vibrant to me but I felt like as an overall color i thought like my t5s felt like it they just had that metallic kind of luster to it a little bit mm -hmm. more to me. and and so that's why i've been trying to still run both i've been trying to run t5 and radions but i wonder if maybe one of my systems i just slap t5 back over it again and kind of do a little comparison again yeah. and kind of see there's a missing link somewhere but um. yeah because i'm running t5s um yeah maybe we can yeah. well I'll, i won't take up too much of your time but uh we can talk, talk about lighting a little bit here as a final thing um yeah i'm running t5s but um it's the aquatic life hybrid so four bulbs yeah and yeah. i only run them for two to three hours a day on my systems i've experimented okay, yeah. kind of bringing it up and down uh, and yeah. then I have radions and some reef bright and Orifect bars and stuff like that. Okay. But, um, it's a, yeah. it's a sort of real hybrid hybrid combo, but, yeah. um, what are you running for say your midday kind of peak and how many hours would you say that is? For so I run the same, yeah, I run the same aquatic life, uh, hybrid fixtures with the radions in the middle and the four T5 bulbs and the T5, yeah. I actually, I run them for eight hours. Um, uh, with blue plus bulbs in them and uh, and uh, the radions I think I run with like the AB plus so I would say more blue I would say overall the T5 is actually kind of whiten them up more than anything but mm -hmm. uh, um, definitely yeah. more of a bluer spectrum as it goes and 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 again a lot of that is just for more the commercial side of things being able mm -hmm. to pull these certain colors out that is you know definitely what people are clamoring after uh when they're looking for a frag purchase i just you know personally if it was my own system and i was just running from my display like my display i run much more white um mm -hmm. slam it with a little bit more of a wider spectrum uh because i like my organ tort to look blue blue and not yeah yeah <laughs> and not faded blue under blue light like it, it needs that wider spectrum to look good and yeah. I also go for my fish, like my angels, just to have them have that color pop. They just look much better under wider light. Totally, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so two different answers there. For my frag systems, it's going to be the bluer spectrums. For my display, it'll be more yeah. that whiter 
And you said uh, eight hours of T5 and the Radeon's probably kind of ramping up and staying at its peak for what, like four or five hours or what would you say? Yeah, about four or five hours of peak and then the the dawn dusk on both sides going to all blue on either side. So I think nothing nothing crazy. I think a lot of people run similar stuff, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it sounds like we're doing a pretty, pretty similar method. But maybe I'll run my T5s a, a couple more hours and experiment back up again. It's just, it's nice. It's like, I feel like uh, the, the Aquatic Life Hybrid's been like training wheels for um, transitioning into LED. It's like, well, you know, yeah. you still have the hand. Your dad's still there pulling you along if you need yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just hanging with the T5s on either side just so we don't tip over. But yeah, yeah. No, absolutely it. And you know, like, I mean, I'll be honest, like, there are better T5 fixtures out there, you know, they better reflectors better everything and but uh they do the job you know they they give me enough t5 that i'm happy that i don't yeah. take my training wheels entirely off you know yeah like, yeah losing it, but. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, um, I've been always ending these podcasts with a rapid fire questions section. So oh my. let's see. Uh, Let me get a drink. So yeah. I'm <laughs> ready for this. <laughs> okay. Like, okay, Adam. I mean, and also you can answer like very like non-traditionally, like you don't have to say like a specific coral or, you know, you can say a species, whatever. I'm, you know, just do what you can. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm a little so, wordy sometimes. So I'll, I'll yeah. try to keep it nice and tight. Okay. Okay, so favorite fish. Favorite fish, my bandit, bandit angelfish. Nice. Favorite SPS. It's hard. Man, that is hard. I love this one piece that I have. Um, it's it's a it's a shortcake variety, but mm. it's literally piercing red blinding red just tips on it just it, it just the whole calling is just like a neon wow. shortcake like if you just took a normal shortcake put it in photoshop and ramped the saturation all the way up <laughs> that's that piece and that's so, so sweet. uh nice. i love this thing i've been babying it it's somewhat sensitive sometimes but i finally got a decent amount of it back and i finally cut my first frag in like years of it but i call it the the lotus blossom and so nice. that is by far and away my favorite piece okay. so. sweet people need to look up for that one when it, when there's more <laughs> of it um okay uh favorite lps favorite lps uh, you know LPS weren't always my thing. You can but, say a species. You can say, you know, it's very, very open here. So but rapid. The, the Malaysian sun god. Okay. It is the brightest torch I've ever seen. Oh, cool. It is so bright. Sweet. That sounds nice. Uh, favorite softy. <laughs> softy. Man. Uh, right now, the Godzilla mushroom. It's just ridiculous. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got to check that out. I don't think I know it. Uh, favorite light? It can be source or a particular model. Uh, man, I still love my ATI Sun Power. Yeah, great, yeah. great light. Grow any oh, kind of coral under that. Uh, okay, <laughs> favorite product line? If you could choose just one product line to use for all of your you know, chemistry and salt and everything. Oh man, I'm a I'm a sucker for Hannah. I trust them. But they don't make salt. I'm talking like product oh, lines that you know you like, get, gives you everything to run a system. Like all the chemistry oh, part uh, of it. 
Yeah, you know, I, I'm I Red Seas probably. I lean towards their salt and some of their additives too. So they have a good uh, broad range of stuff for sure. Uh, so yeah, so it's, the next question was salt. So I'm going to say you're saying Red Sea for salt, and that's probably based yeah, on value too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, favorite aquarium controller? If you've had experience with more than one, I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it would just be Apex. Yeah. What was that? I forget that one that came out. I bought in on it, and it just completely never even came to fruition. Uh, one of the Tronics or something, or it was just it was one that never never happened. It, they actually produced it, and it was a bust because it wasn't working correctly. And then it mm. just the company vaporized. And I wish I remember the name. Hopefully, I blocked it out of my memory because yeah. I've had. Yeah. <laughs> well, screw that one. <laughs> that one yeah. so uh next one is uh favorite wave pump favorite wave pump um jeez i love the gyres i just mm. hate maintaining them yeah so. yeah yeah okay that's your answer gyres yeah i i yeah, yeah they're awesome okay uh most hated pest most despised <sighs> most despised with definitely be like black bugs like the gray white and black bugs on acropora mm -hmm. yeah yeah we they are just before yeah they're, they're just the current i think the current worst pest right now for acros it's insane <laughs> in the butt. yeah uh, and they're everywhere like everywhere, yeah so. <laughs> yeah okay here's a quick one let's try to you we could talk about this all day but if you were yeah. to have uh say we're gonna say lighting flow and water chemistry if two of those things could be like pretty averagely good and then one was just like totally knocked out of the park which one would you choose so what is it water chemistry flow, flow lighting water chemistry which one would you say you would emphasize more attention to uh i think water chemistry for sure yeah, so. most would agree okay and the final yeah. question this is kind of a fun thought exercise so yeah. if you had the financial means to do so would you do a polo reef a what? A polo reef. A polo reef? You know, and Andrew Sandler's big, massive 14,000 gallon oh, reef. <laughs> sorry, I totally missed that. I'm sorry. When you said that, I was like, hey, what? Oh, man. So money's not an issue, huh? No. Yeah, you have the financial means, 100%. Man. I mean, who would say no to that? Like, <laughs> who wouldn't want this beautiful 360 round coral fish like all the rarest fish all the beautiful corals and then someone maintains it all for you you I don't know. even have hire the best people that. you pay them well yeah okay and well. you don't even have to do your own pr you know like they're like shooting videos for you like who, who wouldn't pass that up yeah yeah <laughs> that's funny Easy. because you were actually the first person to say yes the other people were just too concerned with uh with the maintenance side of it or trying to trust somebody to do it yeah, someone else is doing it, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I guess I got to that point where, like, there's a hobbyist side of me and there's a vendor side of me. And, like, man, like, the vendor's starting to win out a little bit as far as, like, keeping up with the maintenance of things. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, yeah, someone else would do it? Yeah, do it. Yeah. I just want to grow yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Dude, well, this has been really fun. Uh, let's definitely Likewise. do it again. And uh, we'll hit a, like a hard subject sometime. We can like get deep into okay. something. All right. But uh, bring it on. I'll work on adding extra sleep over the periods before we do that. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So my brain is there. <laughs> no, that was great. Cool. Okay. Thanks, man. Well, let's let's talk soon. And thanks for uh, coming on the pod.
Right, thanks for having me, Adam. I appreciate okay. it. Yeah, take care. Cheers. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Reef with Farmer Ty. If you want to check out his corals, you can go to blacklabelaquatics.com and you'll see a really awesome selection of corals available there, shipped within the United States only, of course. I will link to the resources and products discussed in this podcast in the show notes. And if you have any suggestions for future guests, uh, want to just ask us a question, make a suggestion, make a criticism, whatever you want to say, uh, feel free to reach out at beyondthereefpod at gmail.com. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and leave us a review. And if you're looking for high-quality aquacultured corals in Canada, please check us out at fraggarage.ca. Hope to hear from you soon.